That is not gonna work. In the immortal words of Jay-Z, <laughs> whatever deity may guide my life, dear Lord, don't let me die tonight. But if I shall before I wake, I'd accept my fate. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Allow me to reintroduce myself. I am the jabroni beating, pie eating, trail blazing, eyebrow raising, talking is done, you're out of your class, no sleep till Brooklyn, the rock whips your ass. What's going on, brothers and sisters? We are live on tape, and we are coming to you from Theater D, Row J, Seat 7. I am the Godfather, Nate Milton, and this is the Rocky Maivia Picture Show, your new favorite pop culture and pro wrestling podcast dedicated to the genius. And you know what? You know what, guys and girls? I'm, whew, I'm getting a little emotional right now because uh, some of you know. Uh, I, I was doing a, a wonderful uh, podcast before this where every week I had to come out and, and call somebody a genius. And, and I knew it wasn't true. I knew it wasn't factual. I knew it wasn't accurate. But but this right here, I get to say that somebody is a genius without any hint of irony or, or snark or sarcasm. It feels good. So, yes, this show is dedicated to the genius of pro wrestler turned thespian Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Now playing this week, 2002's The Scorpion King. In one week's time, the prophecy will be fulfilled. A tyrant who enslaved a nation. He will destroy us. One by one. Tomorrow my victory is complete. A warrior. Who would become their only hope. I know the prophecy. I have seen it. They are the last of their kind. Skilled assassins. Trained for generations in this deadly art. Will you stand alone before the fury of his armies? Yes. Take a breath. Take a dozen of your best men. Track him down. Kill him. Alright, so that is the film that we're going to talk about this week, 2002's The Scorpion King, the very first leading role for Dwayne The Rock Johnson. But I can't go through this review alone, folks. You, you know that. I need a, a special guest this week to help 
guide us through the journey that is the Scorpion King and the early stages of The Rock's film career. And so to do that, you know, I, I had to bring on one of my favorite people in the world today. Every Cisco needs an Ebert. Every Ebert needs a Roper. And every Blaine needs a Twine. For, for you Living Color fans out there, two snaps up. Uh, so I'd like to bring in a guy that you know and you love. Uh, he was my co-host, my co-pilot on the Satellite of Hate on the Keep It 2000 show where we chronicled WCW in the year 2000. So I hope this week, uh, this was not nearly as traumatic as watching Vince Russo, uh, but it is my pleasure to bring on for the debut episode of the Rocky Maivia Picture Show, Brother Brian Mann. Brother Mann, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. It's it's. You know, it's it's an honor to be the first guest uh, on on this uh, on this podcast. I'm sure it's going to be a great journey. I'm glad you learned from the Keep It 2000 days of picking a subject matter that has a finite number of episodes, so it will not continue forever. Very smart. I mean, you say that, but The Rock could be making movies until I'm 60, 70 years old. Like that, that man's a machine. No, I mean that's the thing, and what's interesting is that The Rock will be releasing a new movie while you're doing this podcast. He has like a new movie coming out like in like two weeks. It, it, it's crazy. Like just doing the prep and doing the research before we, I even decided to do this show. Like this guy's filmography is is crazy. So I think we'll start there, Brian. Before we even talk yeah. about the Scorpion King, uh, just looking at The Rock. You know, obviously we're familiar with him. Uh, as a wrestler, particularly when you talk about that 2000s period uh, that we were talking about during uh, the old show. But when did you first kind of get turned on to The Rock as an actor and not just a wrestling personality? Well, I think the the, the first time The Rock turned me on, uh, I guess, would have been... Um... Honestly, probably the, the, the movie that caused him to no longer be... Uh in good standing with Vince McMahon for a while there, it was probably be cool. I mean, I appreciate that he was, you know, challenging himself, pushing himself. Um, his career has been very interesting because it has taken so many different roads. And I always enjoyed the films where he sort of challenged himself a little bit more. Um, that's why, honestly, my favorite movie of his is Southland Tales. Um, and then he was actually supposed to be in Robert Altman's last movie before Robert Altman passed away. Um, I really liked when he challenged himself, and I'm glad that he has the big blockbuster successes. Uh, I mean, they're all shit, but I'm happy for him. Uh, but I wish he still made small movies like like Faster and Snitch. He's really good in those movies, and uh, he honestly deserved an Oscar nomination for, for Pain and Gain. So like, I'm really happy that he's having the successes that he's having now, but I would just love to see him do one or two smaller movies that take a risk every once in a while. But he's just, you know, his time is money right now. And he's mm. he's cashing out for, for all he possibly can. Podcast brought to you by the Titan Games. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up Be Cool, Brian, because one of the things some of the listeners were asking before uh, this episode dropped is, would I be covering Be Cool? And the answer is a definitive hell yes, because not only is that one of my favorite movies that the rock is in in terms of his uh acting in in that piece but uh for the the framework of this show we're going to cover all of the movies where the rock is either the leading man or one of the main supporting characters so be cool counts uh the animated stuff like moana that counts what won't count is stuff like reno 911 miami or the other guys where he's basically just doing an extended cameo uh we might touch on that 
down the line on a future episode, but for the purposes of the the canon of the Rocky Maivia Picture Show, we're going to focus on films where The Rock is either the star or a, a main supporting character in the cast. So uh, that's where Brian kind of came in in terms of being a, a fan of The Rock as an actor. Uh, for me, I think it might have been Be Cool as well. You know, I, I enjoyed uh, some of his earlier works, some more than others, as, as we'll hear on these first couple of editions of the Rocky Mountain Picture Show. But Be Cool was where I was like, this guy's good. Like, mm-hmm. this guy, he's not just, you know, there, there's some actors uh, where you can say, like, that guy's good for an athlete or, you know, that, that girl, she's, she's a good actor for, you know, a singer. I took the caveats off of that. When I when I saw him in Be Cool, it's like, nah, this this guy's got something, and I still don't know Brian. As many rock movies as I've watched, I still can't give you the definitive answer if I think Rock's a great actor. But I know that he does share a common trait with great actors like you know a Tom Hanks or a Denzel or a RDJ, and that's that whatever they're in is made better by his presence. Yeah, I mean, I, I I would say at this point, I do think he is um, a legitimately great actor. I just think the shame is, um, you know, he sort of adapted this formula that Tom Cruise was the first one to do this. When Tom Cruise set up his production company and really became the the chief creative voice behind the movies that he was making, um, uh, and, and he would hire directors and all this stuff, and a lot of other you know uh, actors have done this as well, sort of setting up their own shop where they sort of can control every aspect of the films they make. The big difference, though, is that Tom Cruise loves movies and loves challenging himself and loves working with interesting directors. Um, the Rock, on their hand, has worked with the director of Dodgeball like three times. He likes <laughs> these guys that he can just sort of push around. You know, you kind of know what you're going to get out of a Rock movie, and he just sort of churns that product out. Um, I think if you look at a movie like Pain and Gain, he gives an incredible performance in that in that movie, uh, and it's really a challenging role. But I just don't think he's picking the roles that allow him... Like, he picks the roles that allow him to be, like, cool, charismatic heroes. You look at Ballers. Like, he, it's just him, you know, running around saying cool speeches all the time. Like, I just... I would love to see him, uh, you know, really challenge himself again. By the way, I'm assuming you're dedicating episodes to every every single one of the Ballers episodes, correct? That's how you're going to stretch the show out? <laughs> hey, we're going to do all the Ballers episodes. We're going to do the uh, SNL appearances. I mean, that is worth noting is that, uh, you know, while, while you know, Scorpion King is his first, you know, dramatic, uh, his first, you know, starring role. I mean, I think that it was that SNL that really was the first time people sort of stood up and saw the range you could expect out of this guy. Um, it Because there was that, then obviously, like, the very small stuff he does in this even, I don't even know if he has lines in the mummy returns like he speaks but i don't think he speaks in english if i'm not mistaken yeah and then we get like the cgi scorpion Ooh, yes. type of deal <laughs> the less said about that the better <laughs> but yeah you're right because it would have been he would have done saturday night live he would have done i believe the episode on that 70s show where he basically played his dad yep uh and then an episode of i want to say voyager he did. He did an uh, episode. One of the, yeah, one of the Star yeah. Trek shows. I think it was Voyager, where he played like an alien wrestler, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so, but the Saturday Night Live stuff, it, it's good that you mentioned that, Brian, because, yeah, that was where we saw 
that this is somebody that doesn't take themselves so seriously. And that's that that kind of charm, I think, carries them a long way, especially in these early movies. Right. And it's also, you know, we mentioned the, the early movies. I think Rock, the, the best way to describe the Rock's beginning of his career is Big Fish, Small Pond. Like, he's massive in wrestling, huge. And then he crosses over, and he gets paid a record-breaking amount of money uh, to do Scorpion King. And it's a pretty big hit. But then if you see that, he doesn't have another hit for seven years. Mm. It wasn't until Game Plan that he even made a movie that made its budget back. Uh, So I think it's one of those things that he was big enough in the wrestling world that he seemed like this... You know, he's huge to wrestling, but I think it took a while before he really found his footing um, in Hollywood that he could cross over and be big there. And I think also once him and Vince sort of had their split, I think you also saw a pretty major dip from when WWE was not actively um, promoting his movies. Because if I remember properly, like Scorpion King was like being promoted every single week on their television. Yeah, and part of that goes into something we'll talk about when we get into the review, and that is, you know, kind of the WWE's relationship with The Rock's first couple of outings in film. Uh, But before we get to that, Brian, you mentioned a big hit. And so before we get to the actual review, we've got one last segment uh, that I kind of borrowed from the old show, Keep It 2000. Some would say uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we used to do a, a flashback segment every every episode where we would see what was going on in the culture around the time of that particular edition of nitro and so i'm gonna give us a little a little bit of a flashback or a flash black uh my my freudian mind almost pushed me into uh what i really wanted to say uh because we're gonna take a look at what was going on at the time of the scorpion king so the scorpion king came out in april of 2002 brian man Mm -hmm. do you know what song was dominating the Billboard charts in April of 02? Now, so real, real quick, I, I'm glad you're continuing this, and it's so great that we're taking this this step back because I always liked it. When we did it on the on the other show, but what's so it just fun, it's just funny because I was just you know before I, I jump into this, I'm again I'm taking us on a on sequitur. I you know first of all, it's great going from the satellite here to this movie theater, but. I was also thinking, like, how we really haven't gone ahead that much <laughs> since the last time period we were talking about. It's like that yeah, we SNL did the final Nitro, and, yep. and now we're talking about the Scorpion King. Like, it's maybe it's less than a year later, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> and like, I was even thinking about like that SNL episode that The Rock hosted. That was in the year 2000. Like, we're still very much all around. Um, I can only assume the number one film in America was. Uh, that horrendous standalone song by Godsmack that played over the end credits of The Scorpion King. That song was, was, was ridiculously terrible and it's funny because people kept hitting me up uh talking uh, before this review and they're like are you going to talk about stand alone are you going to talk about i stand alone and i was thinking in my mind because i didn't clearly remember this uh standalone song i thought it was the uh, batista theme song the i walk alone yep 
Me too. I was kind of, I kind of jumped. I like that song. I really like the Batista theme song. So I was amped, and then I get this I I standalone stuff, and I'm like, mm, I'm I'm not here for this, Brian man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, standalone was not the uh, number one song in the nation at that time, Brian. The number one song belonged to a young woman named Ashanti, mm. and the song was called Foolish. Okay. So, Ashanti's Foolish, were, were you a big fan of Murder, Inc.? Because this was a time where every rap group or R&B group had to have like a, a pro wrestling-like stable where you had the crazy mm-hmm. guy, you had the cool guy, and of course you had to have the chick. And Ashanti was the, was the chick of Murder, Inc. I mean, this kind of comes down to, um, I, I hate to say it, but like at this time period, I was definitely more into uh, Southern uh, hip hop, and I was definitely more into rock. So, like, there's just like I, I, I honestly, I wasn't. I, I kind of got to plead the fifth when it comes to Murder Inc. <laughs> I was never a big Murder Inc. fan, but to me, this like this song was almost inescapable. Like, you if yeah. you listen to a lot of urban radio, even today, you'll still hear it played uh, pretty frequently. And I think it's because the sample that they use, which is a debarge sample, uh, which uh, Notorious B.I.G. also used on a one more chance. Uh, it's so memorable that it just gets stuck in your head. And, and so, yeah, Ashanti, foolish. Like, I, I was never really into Ashanti or Ja Rule. Uh, but this, this song, uh, it stands the test of time. Man, now, now I know how all our guests felt on Keep It 2000. We would throw the name out of, uh, of a pop song they didn't remember and how they were just struggling to add something to the conversation. <laughs> I should have got you to to sing it. Like Chris would always have me sing the <laughs> <laughs> sing the uh, songs. But uh, so yes, that was our our flashback. Uh, that was our, our our step back. We we did a little time warp. Now let's talk about the main event here, folks. We're talking about 2002's The Scorpion King. Uh, again, like I said, released in April of 2002. The Scorpion King, uh, directed by. Chuck Russell, who I'm not familiar with the work of Chuck Russell. He's done some interesting uh, movies. He did uh, he did The Mask. He did The Blob okay. Remake. And this film was so impressive that he did not direct another movie for 15 years. Oh, wow. <laughs> he he okay. became a producer. He did, like, Collateral and stuff like that. Okay. Well, see, I'm glad you mentioned producers, Brian, because one of the producers of this film is somebody who I am quite familiar with. And that is Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Can, can, can you kind of explain to the listeners the link and, and how Vince McMahon ended up uh, getting a producer's credit here? Oh, yeah. Well, he was on set every day. He was a major creative force on the. No. Uh, Vince, if I'm. The dailies. <laughs> Vince, if I'm not mistaken, is uh, receives some sort of executive producer credit on most of The Rock's films because he owns the name The Rock. And so until Dwayne Johnson, you know, sheds that name completely. Um, which I think, yeah, is uh, Get Smart. Vince McMahon is, I believe, credited as executive producer on a lot of these films and did receive a cut um, of that name. I wonder if Dwayne Johnson's ever actually tried to buy it from him. Mm. 
that would be interesting uh, to see. But yeah, it, it's important to remember that Dwayne Johnson does not mer- does not own that name. So uh, anytime that he's it's used in the films, Vince gets a cut. Okay, so yeah, Vince is one of the producers. Uh, WWF Entertainment at the time uh, would later be known as WWE Studios, uh, credit as production company. This movie had a budget of $60 million. Brian Mann, do you know how much money this movie made? I did look it up. It, it was like, it's 130 or something like that, right? Close. $165.3 million. The millions! Very, very good. And though it's it's so interesting because like I was looking at that and I was like, wow, The Rock had a really big hit. And then I look uh, his next movie is the next year and it's The Rundown, which cost eighty or cost eighty five and made eighty. So, and then Walking Tall is like an even smaller budget that doesn't make its money back. And I wonder how much of the success of this movie was actually just run off from the Mummy franchise because that was a really popular franchise and. I don't know if you can necessarily put it all on the rock that this film was a hit. Yeah, I, I think yeah, it's two things. One, you've got, like you said, that that promotion on the the WWE or WWF at the time side for the wrestling fans to go see this movie. But yeah, you've already got an established franchise with the Mummy films, and so you know CGI Scorpion aside, uh, <laughs> uh, we and I'm, I'm glad uh, we didn't we didn't get that in this film. Uh, we got some other CGI insects, but not a CGI scorpion. No, 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 no. Uh, it, it, it passes a little bit better. I would say the ants are better than the snakes. Yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, I think that that branding uh, of being part of the Mummy franchise certainly helped with the Scorpion King. And you also had some some really good actors in this movie as well, Brian. You know, besides The Rock, you had uh, Kelly Who, who, uh, I don't know, like, Kelly Who, I love Kelly Who. Uh, yeah, I'm just putting my cards on the table. But to me, she always felt like, from a Hollywood perspective, she was the person you would cast if you couldn't cast Lucy Liu. Yeah, I, I also I just keep wanting to say her name in the No Limit so- Soldiers voice. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Who. <laughs> uh, who else we have in this? We had oh, we had uh, Michael Clark Duncan, Oscar nominated, and, the late, the late great. Yes, the late great Michael Clark Duncan as Balthazar. I, th- I thought. Uh, he didn't. He didn't have a huge role in this movie, Brian. But I thought, you know, he added some some gravitas to the proceedings. He did. He didn't. And, and and his role requires him to be very tough at times and very comedic at others. Um, yeah. No. I I think uh, he does a he does a pretty good job. I think everyone in this movie does a pretty good job, um, except for as we'll get into uh, the lead actor. <laughs> yeah, because I was gonna say even um. Stephen Brand, who plays uh, Memnon, who is kind of the the top heel of this movie. Yeah, like Stephen Brand's good. Like he again, he feels kind of, and I don't want to insult uh, Stephen Brand. I don't know the man of the Brand family, uh, but in this movie, he kind of feels like great value, Colin Farrell. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but even then, he's still good for for what this movie is. Right, uh, he's a, he's a pretty good top heel. You, you know, you mentioned um, I couldn't help but watch this thing in wrestling term and, and mm. like wrestling mindset, where it's like, obviously, Scorpion King is our top baby face. That's his heel. But then you got like Michael Clark Duncan, who I guess is kind of like uh, the hacksaw 
to Scorpion King's uh, Hogan. So it's like, you know, he's got his B-level heel that he gets to work with, and he gets yeah. to kill the B-level heel. And, you know, it, it isn't as, gr- as good a death, but listen, it's lower on the card, and it, and it sends you ha- home happy. <laughs> All right, Although so Kelly Hu, though, Kelly Hu does not get uh, a victory. So this is, this is pre-Divas Revolution uh, yes. WWE being represented. Yeah, Kelly Hu is very much the Miss Elizabeth of, the, of this picture. She that she literally has a uh, like a swimming pool match <laughs> in this movie. Um, yeah, we're not gonna go beat by beat through this movie, uh, but the general plot, you know, this is a prequel to the Mummy and the Mummy Returns. It takes place five thousand years before those films. Uh, we do get some some nods here and there to the Mummy franchise, but for the most part, it kind of stands on its own, which is something. I was surprised to see going back and looking at it, Brian, because I have not watched this movie since 2002. Like, I watched it when it first came out and haven't even thought about it since. So kind of going back and looking at it, I was surprised how much of a standalone kind of franchise film this felt like, rather than something tied to The Mummy. Right. Well, it's a very shoehorned film. Like, uh, it's weird that you would make a spin-off movie of a minor villain <laughs> from a film that completely negates every like it because it does it completely negates everything about his character um uh yes. from from the previous films i, I can't even think of a it, it, i guess the closest thing i think of is you know how uh george saint pierre is in like the opening scene of captain america uh winter <laughs> yeah. soldier if you made a spin-off of that character <laughs> And he's a hero back in his like his village in Brussels or something. What was George's character in that one? He was uh, uh Batroc the Leaper. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I would love he a did have a name. the Leaper side side story. That's another thing we could talk about, uh MMA fighters crossing over because Randy Couture is the lead in the Scorpion King sequel. <laughs> is that the one starring uh Kevin Sorbo? Well, no, that's the thing. They've done four of them, and each one of them have uh, progressively worse leading actors. It's uh, uh, The Rock, then Randy Couture, then Billy Zane, then I, I think uh, Kevin Sorbo is maybe the villain by that point. Oh. That's, I mean, that kind of works, though, because Kevin Sorbo uh, was a hero of my youth, but the more I know about the man, uh, yeah. her Hercules has become a villain to me. <laughs> Did you ever watch Xena Warrior Princess when, when you were uh, younger? That's the thing. Uh, a lot of the sword and sandal stuff was never really what I was into uh, as a kid. I uh, wasn't a fan of uh, of Conan the Barbarian, wasn't a fan of Hercules, wasn't a fan of Xena. None of that was really uh, my thing. And I think part of it is because those TV shows of that era, uh, obviously special effects and everything are a lot different than they are now. But back then when all these shows were like shot on video and were clearly just like the woods outside of Pasadena. Uh, it's harder to immerse yourself uh, in, in that world. Well, yeah, this this movie felt like just one of those episodes, whether it's Hercules or Xena, uh, or uh, I think there was, there was a show called like Sinbad the Sailor, where, uh, not the comedian, because that would have been epic if Sinbad <laughs> was starring in Sinbad the Sailor, uh, but it was just some random dude uh, playing Sinbad the Sailor. Uh, but those shows... It'd be like giving those shows a big budget because that's what it felt like. Like the script was, the script was what it was. Like it wasn't anything too substantial. The actors were all fine, uh, except you know maybe for one. Uh, in, in your opinion, brother, we'll get to that. Uh, but it felt like this could have easily been something that you sit down and watch on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon. 
and instead of a big budget Hollywood movie. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's fun enough. Uh, I I yeah. think the fact that it stars The Rock is part of the reason why maybe it feels a little smaller. I will say one thing I loved is that this film came out in two thousand two, which means that it is only ninety minutes long. Every blockbuster now feels the need to be two and a half hours long, and I'm glad that this one didn't. It's very brisk, very to the point. Uh, it's a very easy watch. Yeah, and uh, let's fill a filling you guys and girls in, because I know there's somebody listening that they are coming here just for the hot Scorpion King plot points. <laughs> so I don't want them to feel neglected. Uh, but basically uh, what we've got here is You've got The Rock, who is one of the last of the Acadians. Uh, and they're a clan of assassins. And we get this great opening scene where The Rock saves his half-brother. Or, uh, yeah, it's his half-brother, uh, Jessup. And they have this interesting action scene before we even get to the titles, where I think everything you need to know about The Rock and this character in this movie is given to you within the first ten minutes. Of the mm-hmm. film, and so uh, real quick, let's touch on that opening scene because I think you get everything that he's going to give you in this picture. You know, you get the charm, you get the 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 aesthetic look of Dwayne Johnson, you get yeah. the physicality, but you don't get a lot of great acting. No, he. Um, it's funny. I think I, I if I can't if I don't oh, I don't want to overstep my bounds as I I am just a guest here. I kind of want to suggest uh, maybe a segment you could do called uh the rock says and it's any time in his earlier films where he feels the need to shoehorn in his wrestling persona um in this one you get a very laughable use of the people's el- uh, people's eyebrow uh yes. I-, I believe he does a rock bottom in the rundown uh yeah, that, that might be one of my favorite things about early rock movies where we just yeah. find excuses <laughs> to bring the rock stuff like i think it works though and be cool it does work and be cool but my my favorite thing that he carries over in this movie is that uh his hair is just his normal hair with extensions. Uh, he has his awful early 2000s hairline uh, and his pointy sideburns. Yes. Yeah, this is before he would he would make the smart choice and just go all the way bald. And then, you know, he's he's, he's, he's a dashing, uh, dashing figure. Oh, and he, this- he fought that fight for way too long. I don't think he shaved his head to, like... Uh, the, I think it was the Fast films, so like 2011, he he tried to hold on to it. Yeah, and it, it, it works. Like he, like he should have done it a long time ago because it, it fits him. Uh, but yeah, the hairline is not really hitting in this movie. Uh, but so basically, we get Rock. He's our hero. Uh, he is tasked to kill um, the the evil uh, Big Heel Memnon, and Memnon is this king who is only king because he's got a sorcerer with him uh sorcerer played of course by the aforementioned kelly who uh yes that kelly who from nash bridges and a couple episodes of arrow kelly uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so basically we get this thing where uh you got rock versus memnon uh michael clark duncan and the rock have this kind of back and forth uh tenuous friendship tenuous alliance uh we get uh you're the sidekick character Who's By the way, com- so you bring up the sidekick, and you remember <laughs> earlier when you said that it was Michael Clark Duncan who lended gravitas to this film? Yes. It's actually the sidekick who lends the most uh, gravitas to this film. Do you know who that is? That's uh, uh, Grant Hesloff. Grant Hesloff, who is now 
George Clooney's producing partner and won a Best Picture Oscar for Argo a few years ago. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't really that's, act anymore, uh, but yeah, that that is the guy playing the uh, the sidekick. That's great. Yeah, because he was in True Lies, Enemy of the State, and The Scorpion King. Like those are his biggest credits on Wikipedia. But yeah, and then he was an actor. He became a producer and nominated for Oscars multiple times, won one for producing Argo, also directed that movie, uh, Minusteric Goats. So, uh, yeah, I don't think he's going to be showing up in Scorpion King 5. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, he's really good. Like, he's he takes a role that could be a nothing throwaway role. And I think, you know, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't turn it into Shakespeare, but he adds a little something to it. Yep. Uh, so we, we kind of go through this whole thing. Where Rock and Kelly Who, uh, obviously, uh, I, was, I was waiting. There was your cue, Brian. Kelly Who. <laughs> Rock and Kelly Who, obviously, they they have a relationship or they have an attraction. Uh, and this is this is something that I found interesting, Brian, because if you go back and look at the Rock's filmography, I think there are very few films where he is actually shown as like a sexual person. Like he's obviously an attractive person. Uh, girls love him, and you know, looking at him in in the movies that he's in. But we never get like Dwayne Johnson as a sexual being. Uh, and so I thought that the the scenes with him and Kelly, who they were, uh, they were, they were interesting to see how they handled rock and romance early on in his career. Yeah, no, it's few and far between. I mean, uh, you see his ass in Ballers. Uh, and, and he definitely has a few sex scenes in, uh, pain and gain, I believe. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's not a side of him that he goes to. I think part of it's cause he's just so f now, especially he's just so freakishly large that you don't even want to think about it. <laughs> or do we, Brian, or do we? HBO thinks we do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, I thought that, that, that was interesting. Uh, the way they handled that with him and Kelly, uh, and then let's see, going further along, some just a, not to jump or, uh, jump around a little bit, but the uh, you mentioned earlier the scene where like his half brother dies. Yes. So like we're introduced to like him saving his brother. So the very first thing we learn about this guy is that he's got a lot of lot of love for uh, for for his family there. Uh, risks his life, kills a a room full of people to save this guy they live, live fast die well is that is that their their catchphrase that might they give them a, a, a bonding uh, uh moniker there but then it's the next like he dies what five minutes later yeah because he rock saves him in the opening scene before we get right. to the main title and then they're captured because they're they're betrayed spoiler alert uh by the the king who hires them for 20 blood rubies which i don't know the the currency of mesopotamia or wherever we're at uh but he hires the rock and the acadians for 20 blood rubies to go kill memnon but the king's son has tipped memnon off and then that's where rock's half brother gets killed yeah so he gets caught uh with, with an arrow and the rock uh this is probably the first time he's called on to do any real acting because up until this point he's just cutting promos uh he <laughs> the totality of losing uh, his closest family member is uh, he winces as if it was just an inconvenience. <laughs> like he, if you had told me that he had just uh, 
poured a bowl of cereal only to find out he actually doesn't have milk in the refrigerator, I would have believed it because <laughs> it is so nothing that he gives us <laughs> once his brother dies to the point that I was like, oh, well, his brother can't actually be dead. He's going to come back later or something. Mm. Nope. That is the, the only person in his life he cares about. And, and it is just a, just a side glance that he gives this guy. It really is. It, it, it's like, or, you know, if he didn't have milk for the cereal or if he had milk, but it was just like a little bit sour. And he just took me like, mm, mm, this this doesn't go well with my shredded wheat. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like the they gave him like the 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 uh, catchphrase one last time before they killed his brother. And his brother's like, live fast. And then the rock's just like, die well, brother. <laughs> like I, I didn't feel that, Rocky. I didn't feel it. And then later, uh, MIA would use that for uh, for one of her hit songs. <laughs> uh, real quick, just finishing up the plot. Uh, the, the good guys win. Uh, Memnon, uh, his whole gimmick is, you know, Memnon's high spot is he can catch arrows. Uh, you know, he's, he's got the great hand-eye coordination. Uh, and so at the end of the movie, uh, Rock is shot by a, a poison arrow from Memnon, pulls the poison arrow out of his back, and shoots it back at Memnon, who is too slow to catch it, and Memnon dies. Uh, the Rock is now the new king, and uh, Kelly Who's like, you know, we were in a period of peace, but this peace won't last forever. It'll yeah. last maybe about 5,000 years until Brendan Fraser comes along. <laughs> and listen, it's a bit prophetic. It's 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 probably the, the deepest thing that this film has to say, of just, you know, all good things must come to an end. Yes. But it's great that Michael Clark Duncan, his last line of The Rock is, Yo, you're oh. gonna be a great. You're gonna be a great king. Good luck. Bye. And then Kelly no, Hoover's no, coming no, up. He's like, second to last line. His last line uh, is is my favorite because it just kind of comes out of nowhere. He's like, yeah. "Remember, King, Nubian eyes will be watching you." <laughs> like, I just want to end everything with that now. Like, I don't care if it's like a business call or if I'm talking to my sister or if I'm emailing a friend. Just yeah, no, just make that your like, make that your email signature. Make that your email signature. Yes. Nubian eyes will be watching you. <laughs> and a Nubian eyes will be watching you to you as well. Uh, but he's like, yeah, man, you're going to be a great king. My Nubian eyes will be watching. And then you go from that to uh, Kelly Who's just like, yeah, no, you're going to fuck this up. <laughs> and it's just, it's just so funny. But we still get, you know, like a swelling musical track. They walk in through the gates. Uh, we're, we're God smacked by God smack. Um, and that's the end. It's just, it's very... It, I. I liked, I don't know if I would even say like is the right term, but like that's as far as they'll go. It's just like a nod to like the mummy returns. They couldn't even, they couldn't get a one day cameo from Brendan Fraser or anything like that. (laughs) Because it it does feel like they're trying to set up a Scorpion King franchise um, that would come to pass, but not the way I think they saw. (laughs) Yes, yeah, because you could. I mean, there's ample time. Hell, there's 5,000 years worth of time for you to fill in stories if you were to continue along with The Rock. Oh, definitely, yeah. And you could even, uh, even though this is probably a little more nuanced than blockbuster films were back then, you could even tell the story of him, like, slowly turning. Yeah. Yeah, because it it doesn't make sense. If you're just coming from The Mummy Returns and they're building up the Scorpion Kings, this bad guy, and then we get the bad CGI of the bad guy. Uh, for him to go from that character that we saw to this character, you know, how did this guy in, in the Scorpion King become that character in The Mummy? I thought that would have been interesting if we could have gotten some clues to that within this movie. Mm-hmm. 
but we really didn't. We really like, like I said, this was kind of a standalone thing that was just tangentially attached to the Mummy franchise. Yeah, I mean, he got to, you know, he starred in a movie. Some people made some money. You know, that's kind of all we we really we really got. I mean, it's it's interesting because we were talking, um, you know, before we went on. This was the first time I've seen this movie. I, I didn't see it when it came out. Um, they did eventually make another Mummy film uh, many many years later. Um, but. It's just this is just a movie that was just you know kind of I got I gotta say Ryan lost to time finish. you know I'm I'm not a fan of the Mummy franchise I hate to say it I know yeah. there's there's some Brendan Fraser stands out there and I like Brendan but I was never a big fan of the Mummy franchise I mean for its time it's so funny like um there's just these sort of flashpoints where for whatever reason a particular director is really popular for a certain amount of time and then they disappear. And this was during a period of time where, for whatever reason, Stephen Summers was the fucking talk of Hollywood. He got to make so many movies. Uh, he even got to, uh, I think it was Van Helsing was the thing mm. that finally did him in. But just like <laughs> his brand of like uh, uh, swashbuckling reboots of like uh, silent uh, era <laughs> movie monsters was like really big for a while. And he he wrote and produced this. Um, but yeah, just it's a particular type of movie that, uh, and you saw when they tried to do the um, the third one like a decade later, didn't really uh, you know uh, pick things up again. It just it's just funny. That it, it just this movie just felt so dated, and it's such like a a, a time stamp uh then mm. yeah no one's really thought about this movie even though the franchise continued um it really you know i i think maybe the thing that people know it for the most is like oh yeah that was the first movie the rock started um and then again as we kind of talked about every other movie the rock does for almost the next decade is forgotten uh as well I got a little bit lost, Brian, because when you mentioned that, I went and started looking up some stuff on the Mummy and the Scorpion King. Did you realize in the fourth film of the Scorpion King franchise, the Scorpion King 4, Quest for Power, there was a WWE connection? With Scorpion King, which one? Scorpion King 4, the Quest for Power. Was Batista wasn't in that one, was he? No, no, Batista wasn't in this one. Uh... Rob Van Dam? Nope. Wasn't RVD. I, I would love to see a Scorpion King great. with that RVD. Great. <laughs> Eve Torres was a Oh, wow. Man. Oh, Along goodness. with Lou Ferrigno. I, that's and just, Howard. It, yeah. Yeah. God. Because, yeah, they go Randy Couture, Billy Zane, uh, Lou Ferrigno. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you know a fifth film, Scorpion King, The Book of Souls, was released on October 23rd of last year? Listen, man, I think you've got to just start. This is a Scorpion King podcast now. It's not too It's not too late to, to jump the tracks. <laughs> yeah, this is the, the, the Rocky Maivia picture show was a great idea, but now we're going all Scorpion King wall to wall. And that's um, the thing that's interesting about The Rock. Like, he never references this movie. <laughs> like, this no. isn't a franchise he goes back to. It isn't like... It's it's funny because yeah. I saw one thing about it, um, and I want to say this was – it was either 2018 or 2017 where he did uh, one of those uh, Ask the Rock segments on his YouTube page, mm -hmm. and he took a, a look back at the Scorpion King. And it was the first time I'd heard him talk about it since 0203. And he just basically, you know, his comments were, uh, you know, it was it was a fun experience. It was hard work, uh, you know, long days, long nights. And, uh, 
You know, it, it was one of the building blocks of his career. So it, that was kind of a nice way of saying I didn't really enjoy it, but it was necessary. Yeah, it's like, so I get why it happened. Um, if I had to guess, The Rock probably didn't, when he decided to start his his Hollywood career, didn't think that this was the path he wanted to go down. I think it probably just the, the dots connected right. Like he gets this small movie in this major film, um, and then he's so big that they decide to do a spinoff of that. Um, the spinoff is successful, but not successful enough to launch its own franchise. Um, I really do question if this was the right first film for him because i think if you see a movie like the rundown i think is a lot better in that and a lot uh he's better suited for it and it didn't do as well you know unfortunately no. um you know if you really look at it it took the fast franchise to really get him to that next level the combination of that and the gi joe movies yeah and i happen to think rundown is just a better movie start to finish anyway uh, over the Scorpion King, but I could see why an audience would be more drawn to the Scorpion King than the Rundown. Uh, particularly when you talk about having that that mummy fan mm-hmm. base behind it. Uh, but let's let's dig a little bit deeper into the Rock here, Brian, because as as I mentioned off the top, I think one of the Rock's greatest attributes is his ability to lift bad material. Just yes. because of the sheer presence of The Rock and his on-screen charisma and, and what he brings to the table, do you think this movie would be better or worse if we had another actor uh, in this role as the Scorpion King? I'm, I'm inclined to say uh, it really depends on who the actor is. Um, I think part of it is that I... It takes a very specific kind of actor. Let's I think, see, to be okay, able to, here, here we go. Yeah. Here we go. And this this might be oh, might be opening up a can of worms here, but this might be another fun segment uh, to play on this show. Would this movie be better if it starred Dwayne Johnson or Vin Diesel? Oh, that, <laughs> honestly, Vin Diesel. Wow, <laughs> because Vin Diesel has just like sort of a stoic quality that the rock here doesn't have i think the rock is too small and even if you look you know years later he does hercules uh which is very yeah. similar and i don't think he's good in that uh <laughs> either yeah, maybe, um, maybe this is just not his genre i just don't think this is his kind of film um i i i think that i don't know like it just the movie requires him to do so many different things that are all over the place. Like sometimes he's like the silent killer. Sometimes he's silly. Sometimes he's, uh, you know, winking at the audience. Uh, it just kind of all over the place, what the film has him do. And it just, I don't know. I feel like maybe a better actor would have been able to tie it all together. Mm. Um, whereas, yeah, it just, it does. It, it's a very all over the place. Um, film uh for him and yeah i think it would just it would take a while before uh he would really start finding projects that were right for him i might have to agree with you as much as i love dwayne the rock johnson i think you know if we're looking at that stage of their careers i think vin diesel would have been a better fit for this role uh i think it would have been a better movie because of vin diesel but and here's the thing brian man here's the rub I don't know if I would have enjoyed it as much with Vin Diesel, even knowing it would have probably been a better movie. Uh, that's fair. I think that's fair. There's just something about The Rock that, like, it's 
it's The Rock, and he's enjoyable, even if the movie is not great, even if his performance isn't up to par. I, I think you just like him, and, and you want to root for him. I, yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree. Um, he, he is very likable in this movie. There's no doubt about that. Um, you do find yourself um, drawn to him. Like, his charisma is certainly uh, on display in this film, and you do see sort of the, the beginnings of of a movie yeah. star. Uh, I think it was... When was it? It was really... Because isn't The Rock... Is The Rock in Around the World in, in, in 80 Days? Is he in that? Or is it just Arnold has like a quick cameo? Because I forget, like, I feel like... Because I know that, like, Arnold has kind of always seen The Rock as the, the guy that he sort of passed the torch to in yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, we'll, we'll sort get of, that great moment in the rundown. Uh, it's in the rundown. It's in the rundown. That's what it's in. That's what it's yeah, in. Yeah, it's the there. rundown where, where uh, Arnold is walk. Rock's walking into the club to collect a bounty, and Arnold's walking out, and he's like, "Have a good time." Yeah, and I, and and that was you know this is also when Arnold is getting uh is is entering politics at this point, and I think if you look at this film, you can certainly see the makings of a big action star, and I can see why someone like, um like Arnold, and I know that Stallone has said positive things about him as well, they certainly, uh, I think you can see the makings of it. And I think that if you look at where The Rock is in this movie, and you compare it to, say, where Arnold was at the beginning of his film career, mm. Rock is is leaps and bounds uh, ahead of where uh, of where Arnold was uh, at that same time. That being said, Arnold would have been better in this movie uh, than, than, yeah, than The Rock it, was. It's basically... Uh, 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 it's Conan. Modern-day version of Conan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's weird because for most muscle guys, a, a kind of stoic uh, historical figure might be the best way to go. Uh, so so what the you're rock, saying is Dwayne Johnson is just too charismatic to play this role. That's the thing. He's kind of the inverse of Arnold. Like Arnold being kind of a mute and having this like this crazy accent helps him in Conan. Whereas mm. I feel like in this film, because The Rock is so charismatic, he just feels really out of place. Um, in this world at, at some times. And it's weird because I feel like him and Grant Heslov, they're both kind of doing a similar thing and I really like their relationship. But if you look at all the villains being these very like, I'm a British actor and everyone else, <laughs> you know, doing the sword and sandals thing. Um, yeah, it, it, it is very different. I, I, I don't know. I guess what it really comes to play is you can look at it and say, this guy definitely has potential. But in this film, it's probably just not the right uh, first thing for him. And I would be curious how it would have gone had the rundown been his first movie because I also think a large part of people going to see him in The Scorpion King was a curiosity factor of we've never seen him in a movie at all right. before. Um, and that curiosity wasn't there for the rundown. So I'm just curious like had that been his first movie um, how, how it would have gone down. Also worth pointing out that uh, WWE popularity really took a nosedive between Scorpion King and the rundown. Hmm. And that'll be interesting to kind of chart and track while we're talking about these films is how popular wrestling is in relation to The Rock. And, and eventually we get to the point where The Rock gets so big where he doesn't need wrestling anymore. Yeah, and it's also and this is this is crazy. And I, I do think it's worth pointing out where his wrestling character is at the time of these movies being released. Um, you know, uh, we mentioned this movie made a profit. 
if you uh, factor in the amount of money WWE lost by him leaving and Steve Austin turning heel, this movie <laughs> lost tons of money. Uh, Vince McMahon executive. This was maybe the, the biggest uh, profit loss that Vince ever took executive producing a movie was allowing <laughs> The Rock to to leave WWE. But then you take a year later where uh, you know Rock is promoting this movie. And this movie's coming out, and it's, you know, it's the Hogan feud. You know, he is big on WWE programming every single week, and they're pushing this movie at the same time. You get a year away from this when the the rundown comes out. The Rock's now a heel, and not on TV all that much, um, and is very much playing the, the I've Gone Hollywood guy. And the crowd has turned on Dwayne Johnson. And I wouldn't be surprised if that maybe played into people uh, not wanting to pay to go see his movie. It's it's all fascinating just because we we've got three people you're talking about whenever you talk about a rock movie because you're talking about Dwayne the Rock Johnson the person the actor you're mm-hmm. talking about whatever character he's playing uh, and then you're talking about the wrestling character and how that might have an effect on the particular uh, project he's working on at the time so I just think it's another reason why this guy is so fascinating why I think you can do a podcast about Dwayne Johnson and his film career. Where if you tried to do it with somebody else, uh, Terry Bollea, it wouldn't be nearly as fascinating because you don't have all those different facets. Well, because it'd be three episodes long. (laughs) (laughs) We got uh, Mr. Nanny, we got uh, Suburban Commando, we got No Holds Barred. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, like if you did, uh, I don't know, like Cena Cinema, that already would have more episodes than 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 Belay at, hey, the, hey, at hey, the pictures. Hey, hey, hey! Those for the sequel, baby. Those well, I will say, you know, we're we're talking about the Rock here. The thing that I will that's so interesting to say, comparing him to uh, Cena or Batista, these two guys that have gone on. Um, mm. Batista, you know, has gone on, and I, I would. That's the thing. I wish the Rock's career was a little bit more like Batista's. Uh, Batista has made really interesting movies with really incredible directors. Uh, he always finds very unique people to uh, to collaborate with, and he doesn't mind uh, putting his, himself in the hands of, of a director. Mm. Uh, you know, I don't think The Rock would do a Bond movie because he wouldn't, you know, have the biggest say. Uh, there's a reason why, you know, he's not in the Marvel, you know, universe, uh, for example. And... It's just interesting to compare his career with, um, plus I mean him doing, you know, uh, Blade Runner and like a lot of other interesting movies that that Batista's been involved in. You compare The Rock to Batista and Cena who have had to start out in smaller roles and build up from there. Uh, Whereas Dwayne was leading man right away and really wasn't in a supporting role until Be Cool, uh, which was him purposefully deciding I've got to change what audiences think of me as um but i also got to give the guy credit that he made the his mind up and he made the decision i'm going to make this my main focus because it would have been very easy to you know he was he was young he could have you know snapped back to wrestling really easily um and obviously be cool causes the sort of the breakdown of the relationship between him and the wwe um to the extent that wwe did not renew his contract they purposefully cut ties with this guy um, so he kind of was forced a, a, a little bit, but it's interesting that he did make it such a prime focus that he didn't play it safe. Um, you know, whereas a guy like Cena has kind of had the luxury of, you know, kind of back and forth a little bit. Rock dove in head first and really made it his main priority. Yeah. And I think also, you know, you talk about how hot wrestling was at the time, uh, even though Cena and Batista were certainly big stars, they weren't big stars at the, the peak of the sports popularity like rock was 
Right. Uh, where I think that, you know, for better or for worse, because you mentioned him being in this movie, that might have been a detriment to him as an actor, uh, but it certainly benefited his star power and his uh, bottom line, a- as it were. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be fascinating uh, going mm-hmm. through these films and, and checking out the trajectory of The Rock's career. Uh, but, Brian, uh, before we get to our rating of this movie, The Scorpion King, I do have one final burning question for you, which was brought up numerous times over the course of this movie. Yes. Which animal is smarter, a horse <laughs> or a camel? Which is smarter? Because my man Rock made the deliberate choice to ride a camel in the desert. And his brother, his, uh, you know, rest in peace, half-brother, yeah. uh, live fast, die, live Live fast, die, die well. I think that's yeah. your motto. Uh, <laughs> my man looks at the rock uh, and says, why are you riding a camel? A horse is faster. And rock with a straight face just says, I, I ride a camel because it's smarter. And at, at no point in the course of this movie do we see the camel doing anything that would lead you to believe it's smarter than a horse. Hey, I mean, listen. Wrestling 101, work smarter, not harder. So I, I, I think that that goes along. Listen, the horse is doing too many high spots. I think that's the thing. Like, uh, his, his brother was too concerned with speed, you know, you know, hitting, getting, getting all of his shit in, and he runs right into an arrow. Uh, Rock, on the other hand, you know, he's taking his time. He's working smarter. Uh, and not only that, but, like, it, it, it draws attention. Like, it, it makes him seem like a star. Uh, so no, I think that, I think you know you know there's a reason why he's Scorpion King, not Scorpion Horse Rider. So I think he made the right call there. Okay, I, I like I like your logic, Brian. I like your logic because that was something uh, you know I could buy a lot of things with this movie. You know I could suspend disbelief and believe that The Rock is an ancient assassin uh, who would be king. I could believe that there were so many white British guys in the middle of the, of the Egyptian desert. Uh, 5,000 years ago. You know, I, I could suspend disbelief on a lot of things. Uh, I believe that those CGI ants were real, uh, but the, the camel horse thing uh, kind of took me out of the picture. Well, as the sidekick, whose name I'm forgetting, uh, hilariously says in a bar scene, uh, it, it's not the size of the hump, but the motion of the camel. <laughs> oh, this movie. This movie, Brian, man. Like, I... I don't know whether I love it or I hate it or I love to hate it, but we're going to figure it out right now because it is time (laughs) for our ratings. And I have devised a rating scale uh, for these movies that we're going to be checking out on the Rocky Maivia Picture Show. It's a scale of one to five, with one being the worst, of course, five being the best. So if you think a movie is a five, Brian, man, we just went one-on-one with a great one. If you think it's good, if you think it's good but not great, four out of five, it's the people's champ. If you think it's just kind of so-so, middle of the pack, it's a three out of five, that's a know your role. If you think it's bad, but not the worst thing you've ever seen, that's a two out of five, it's a jabroni joint. But Brian, man, if you think this movie was a waste of your time, a waste of your $3.99 if you purchased this money on YouTube, <laughs> uh, purchase this movie on YouTube, uh, if you think it was just terrible, it's a one out of five, that's a straight up rock bottom. So Brian, man, on that scale of one to five, one being rock bottom, five being we just went one-on-one with a great one, where would you rank the Scorpion King? Well, I certainly would not consider it rock bottom. Uh, shout out to whoever you trick into doing Doom with you. Uh, I would have to... I think to... we might know that person. I'll tell you off air <laughs> who I'm uh, trying to recruit for that one. 
I will firmly call this a jabroni joint. Uh, it's it's enjoyable enough, but I I can't say that it really crosses into the area of um, of good. I, I honestly, I do think I enjoyed this movie pretty well until the end. I think the end is when it really kind of falls apart. I didn't find any of the really the final battles interesting. It's when, you know, the Rock's charisma kind of goes away and it's just some bland fighting. Um, yeah. Though, funny note, I was reading the, the IMDb trivia for this. You know how he does uh, he does a kip up in his final uh, in his final <laughs> battle? Yeah. Apparently, the director added that because he had never seen a man that tall be able to do that and thought it was such a unique physical strength uh, mm. to do that. Clearly, Chuck Russell was not a wrestling fan because that's a pretty common spot. But uh, but no, apparently for Hollywood, that's a very impressive thing to be able to do. Uh, but yeah, I would give this a, a jabroni joint. A jabroni joint from Brian Mann. And yes, again, one of the things we'll be talking about over the course of these movies is when they incorporate wrestling stuff into his movies because I, I like it like it's it's silly but for some reason it always gets a gets a pop out of me to use wrestling terminology uh so brian mann gives it a jabroni joint two out of five this is not one-on-one -on -one with the great one this is not the people's champ uh it's not a rock bottom so i'm left with two choices brian is this mm -hmm. a jabroni joint or is this a know your role and i agree with a lot of the points that you make but I think I'm going to go with the Know Your Role simply because this is the first time this guy has been asked to carry a movie. And you can argue whether he fully carries it well. But I think the fact that this is a first time actor, uh, you know, in a big budget movie and he doesn't fall on his face. I think I think I'm going to give it a pass. So I think I'm going to give it a, a Know Your Role, uh, mainly on the strength of The Rock, uh, who I think is not great, but he's charming in, in this movie. I like Kelly Who in this movie. Uh, Michael Clark Duncan, like he, again, he doesn't have a lot to do. I think even like in the final fight, basically he just kind of hits a few people, then he holds off some guys in the temple, and then ducks when the temple explodes. Yeah, <laughs> like that's the extent of Michael Clark Duncan's fight in the in the climactic scene. Uh, but you know, it was good seeing Michael Clark Duncan, Duncan again because I don't think we'll have too many movies in this podcast series that that feature him uh and then you're gonna have uh, any i think this is it <laughs> yeah this might be it this might be it uh and then uh your, your, your man uh steven brand playing uh memnon he, he was all right as, as yeah. a big bad so i'm gonna give it a three out of five uh i know your role i think is it worth the uh 399 on youtube yes yeah, I wouldn't say so. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say if, if you are doing a uh, encyclopedic uh, dive yeah, into, into it, yes, movies, yes, he has done worse. Yes. Oh, oh we'll get to worse, Brian. Man. Uh, yeah. So I, I gave it a uh, know your role. Brian Mann gave this a jabroni joint, and we have a third uh, voting body uh, on this episode, and that is you. Yes, you, listening to this show, the post-wrestling listening community, the, the postmarks, if you will, uh, put up a poll on the post-wrestling message boards, and we have uh, the results. Brian, what do you think the post-wrestling fan base gave this movie? Um, I'm going to say that uh, people who took the time out to vote might have a little bit of nostalgia for this one, so I think they probably said a, a, a know your role. Okay, 
uh, a lot of uh, Godsmack fans in in the. <laughs> I believe the God, the official Godsmack Twitter, actually sent people here, so it might be a little biased. <laughs> All right, Brian. With seventy five percent of the vote, know your role is the correct answer. The mm-hmm. the uh, post forum gave it know your role seventy five percent. Twenty five percent of the uh, viewers said it was a rock bottom, though. Ooh. So it's there's no in between. So I've averaged I've averaged out. I I, yes. I I sit firmly in the middle there. <laughs> All right, so that is going to wrap up our review of 2002's The Scorpion King again. Uh, you know, if if you got some time uh, and you want to watch the movie, listening along to uh, these reviews, go ahead and, and and you know check it out. But it's not something that I think you you have to watch or your life will be incomplete. Uh, so Brian Mann. Speaking of completing, you know, you you, you completed me on, on this first episode <laughs> of the Rocky Maivia Picture Show. Uh, let the people know what you got going on, what you've been up to, and, and where uh, they can find you on these social media streets if they want to reach out to you and uh, explain to you why they think this movie was one-on-one with the great one. Oh, definitely. Uh, well, if you want to hear more from me, you can catch me on uh, the Southland Tales episode of the Rocky Maivia Picture Show. Uh- <laughs> oh, now you're booking yourself in <laughs> I just got to make sure program on the first of uh, the first week. Got to make sure you don't stick me with doom. Uh, I, uh, yeah, just find me on Twitter, Instagram, all those places uh, at Brian Max man. Uh, if you haven't done so, uh, I, I realized that uh, before you and I, you know, uh, after we actually wrapped up, uh, keep it 2000 we did uh a wwe themed episode of open late uh the show that i do with peter rosenberg and that was uh just a real fun thing to watch uh go back and check it out if you haven't uh yet we had the new day we had uh rusev and lana we had sasha banks uh very fun episode so go back and and, and give that a view um and yeah just watch my my social accounts uh, i got some fun stuff coming that i cannot talk about yet Interesting, interesting. Uh, so, is there any truth to the rumor, Brian Mann, that uh, you will be portraying the sidekick in uh, the Scorpion King Part Six? Well, yeah. I mean, they have guaranteed me that uh, twelve years later I'll win an Oscar for Best Picture. So it seems like a good uh, career building block. <laughs> I looked like I saw some of the uh, the the opening casting sheets, and it looks like it's you and Kevin Hart, and it's going to be uh, the uh, Scorpion King Six. We back in the mix. Uh. Real quick, I got to go delete my tweets. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> uh, actually, that should have been Kevin Hart's punishment. Uh, instead <laughs> of the Oscars, you have to star in the Scorpion King Part 6, brother. Yeah, I, by the way, I I know this is coming out later. I think he's going to end up posting the Oscars again, but that's, you know. Mm. Uh, time will. By the time this drops, I may or may not be proven uh, correct. <laughs> Well, that's something that listeners can uh, look out for. Uh, in terms of me, you can check me out on Twitter at in the number eight M O Z A I K at Nate Mosaic on Twitter. Uh, before we get out of here, I want to send a shout out to a few people. I want to send a shout out to uh, Brother Braden Harrington, who provided the theme for the Rocky Maivia Picture Show. Uh, that's a it's a Braden joint. So uh, uh, give him a little bit of uh, props on Twitter for for this hot theme we got going on. I want to thank Austin James Graphic Designs for the logo of this show, which is a uh, Pretty phenomenal. Like if I could say so myself, like I could. I, I told the man I wanted uh, 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 something involving the Brahma Bull and something involving the Rocky Horror Pictures Show kind of lettering, and this man came up with the logo that you're seeing on your tablet or your phone right now. So uh, shout out to Austin James. You can find him on Facebook. You can find him on Instagram. If you're looking for logo work. 
that's affordable and uh and looks really excellent hit up austin james uh uh check out the kings of sport we got a patreon that uh should be out by the time you're listening to this episode uh and then finally uh you know i, I don't want to veer into a territory of some other podcast hosts out there but I'm not, I'm not selling no uh testosterone pills i'm not i'm not trying to uh sell you anything like that but i am in the process of becoming a, a licensed licensed insurance agent so if you need a uh, uh life insurance auto insurance home insurance mutual funds anything like that and you're looking to get that squared away in 2019 holla at your boy you know i, I give you that uh i give you that discount it, it, it'll, it'll cost you far less than 20 blood rubies how about that <laughs> so uh that's going to do it for the first episode, the inaugural edition of the Rocky Maya Via Picture Show. Uh, before we get out of here, here's a sneak peek at what's playing next. One job, I wipe your slate clean. You walk out of this house a free man. How much? 250 large. No problem. He's come to the other side of the world. Is that duct tape? <laughs> To finish one last job. I'm looking for a man. His name's Travis Walker. Brown hair, face like a weasel. Do I know you? I'm taking you home, Travis. What's in Los Angeles? Your father. And you're not a So angry! Shut up. If only it were that simple. Apparently, he stumbled onto a trinket of some value in my jungle. Yep. I want it back. Wow. Whatever my father's paying you, I will double it. No. I'll quadruple it. No. I'll double it and quadruple it. Hell no. I hope you enjoy the fall. Now what fall? Let's go. Heads up. I want hunting parties. Find them. Find them! I do not want to fight you. We are not fighting. Okay, hip-hop. Don't worry, they're little people. What? You can take them, they're little. Boom, 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 boom. You guys fight hard. I swear with cows. The Rundown. You got the moves. I'll give you that. So, yes, we're going to be talking about The Rundown, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Sean William Scott, Rosario Dawson, Ernie Reyes Jr., and Christopher Walken. And unfortunately, brother man, I know you like that movie. You, you won't be around to talk about it. Hey, that, that's perfectly fine. I know I got I to gotta spread the love. There's, there's enough of the man for everybody. So come back next time on the Rocky My View Picture Show right here on the Post Wrestling Network to check out my review of The Rundown with a very special guest. I'm not going to reveal who it is now, but... Uh, is it Dwayne Johnson? I mean, 
Hey, you, you, you look, Brian, man. All right, let, let's let's talk. Let's talk turkey real quick. I mean, look, the look, man, the man replied to me once on Twitter. Like that, that that's in game, folks. I'm talking to you listeners out there. If we can make that happen, if I could talk to Dwayne the Rock Johnson on the Rocky Maivia Picture Show before this thing ends. That's it. I, I'll have to quit. It'll be like when Lance Storm came on Keeper 2000 and we couldn't recover. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all, all roads lead to that. All roads lead to Dwayne The Rock Johnson, or at least Ron Funches, because I know Ron Funches loves him some rock. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Rock and Picture Show. We'll check you out next time. Uh, for Brian Mann, I am the Godfather Nate Milton. And remember... Nubian eyes will be watching you. We'll see you next time. Yo, that's got to be your sign-off every episode. on out of here. No!